all those things that made me successful in my career and my jobs that I had in the past that I held on to were the things that were actually limiting me from being what I was capable of. Instead of becoming more, and this is when I started to realize about, you know, evolution versus growth. And yeah. I was just trying to be more of who I was for more people and yeah. it wasn't working. And then that's when I realized that for me, my own sense of purpose was to help people become the prophet of their purpose, which is the inspired teacher, leader of a cause or a calling. And then you will profit from your purpose when, you know, uh, people have a greater sense of meaning to the work that they're doing, you know, or get in touch with the real reason why they started that business beyond making money. It just elevates the whole um, work that they're doing in the world. And I think we're all searching for some greater sense of meaning in our lives. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Welcome back, listeners, uh, small business owners, aspiring business owners, and entrepreneurs. We have a great episode for you today. Dave Clare is here all the way from Australia. He's a speaker, consultant, He's a trainer, a coach, CEO of Circle Leadership Global. I want to talk about something that he wrote, which I don't, he may be surprised that I picked up on this, but sometimes <laughs> I do notice things, Dave. He, and he put it in quotes, this is me. I have written it on purpose. And I think that that'll probably underline the next 20 minutes of conversation. Dave Clare, welcome. Uh, Russ, what a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me to be on your podcast all the way from uh, down under in Australia in the future. That's right. In the future. You are a future man. That's right. Now, do you have a theme song? I you it's a, a cold and rainy day tomorrow. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you have a theme song? Uh, if anybody watches uh, uh, with Sunny in Philly, Philadelphia, <laughs> you'll... I actually do have a theme song, though. Do you? Yeah. Now, do you sing uh, it? Is it recorded? Do you have it available? No, no, no. I, like, it's a song someone else has sung that I It is my theme song. I love it. So I, uh, I, I, Backman I, Turner Overdrive, Taking Care of Business. Taking Care of Business. I love it. Yeah. Now, do you use the cover song or have you rewritten it to your to your? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I just use the cover song. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll assume, yeah. I'll assume that you have permission uh, from whoever, well, yeah, no, no, I, whoever yeah. owns the IP. <laughs> it's just my, uh, it's my theme song. Gets me pumped up. Gets me going. I love that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I had another guest on uh, who was very, uh, t very tuned into music and an actor, and um, he actually uses music, uh, specific songs to get him into a specific mood so that he can represent the character, specific character. So if he has to cry in a scene, he has a song for that. Oh wow! Yeah, That's yeah, clever. yeah, yeah. Some people really respond to music. Does that describe you as well, or was it just kind of a fun? Yeah, hundred percent. No, music is a big part of my life. I've I've actually written uh, and produced a, and sold a couple of songs uh, in my life of uh, yeah. for causes and also just my own um, that I, I can't hold a note or play a, a you know a chord to save my life. Okay, but I have uh, okay. some amazing uh, friends who are musicians and singers and uh, who've uh, taken my thoughts and ideas and helped me craft some really cool songs. So yeah, uh, music is a big part of my life. My dad, my dad was in a band back in his days. He started when the Beatles started, actually. Um, oh, so no music kidding. has been around me, but but I, yeah, I, I don't I don't have that. I don't. I never practiced the ability to or create that craft in my life, but I do love music. All right. Well, I've been stalking you for a while on social media, and for some reason that never came up. I missed all that. Um. Yeah. Like every year, I post the the song I wrote for Food Bank. Um, okay. Uh, for a Christmas food appeal, uh, wrote a song for them, a Christmas song. Okay. Um, so I put it up every uh, every uh, Christmas up on my LinkedIn and various other things. And um, yeah, the other ones I don't, it was more so, might have been on my other socials, my Facebook or Instagram you might find. Yeah, I missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. About, sorry to say I, can I missed send it. Link I'll send you the links. It's yeah. my creative outlet. Well, and, and now that we mentioned it, I'll, my brain will be looking for it, right? Somebody subconscious will yeah. be looking for it. It'll probably yeah. pop up five or six places in the next week. Yeah, and you go, there, there it is right there. <laughs> the old reticular activating system will be on fire now. That's, that's right. It'll be cranking. I love that. Yeah, and it works great. That's Of course, that's something we both teach, right? 
All right, yeah. Leslie, let's get back to this purpose, purpose-driven yeah. leadership, right? So I kind of like gave you the intro to that. And then we went down the rabbit hole, but that's okay. That's what this podcast is, a bunch of rabbit holes, right? Tangents. So, yeah. but I love this because I've never seen anybody else post this. There was quite a bit there. It was very specific, yeah. right? And then at the end, this is me. I have written it on purpose. I love this. Everything there is, uh, A, I've written it on purpose because it's purposely like what I do. But Of course. Um, so it, I guess from two... Uh, in context in two different ways. One is, you know, I purposely wrote it that way for right. LinkedIn right. and it right. may be, and, and it's what I believe in and it's the work that I do in this world. I and get it. what I believe my purpose, why I'm here. Let's talk about purpose-driven leaders and organizations. Awesome. My favorite subject. I, I figured. So <laughs> uh, what do you want to say off the top? I have some questions uh, for you about it, but uh, anything come to mind immediately? Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it's just, uh, I came up with a, um, I'm a bit of a slow learner, Russ. Okay. So it took me a while to work this stuff out. Right? So, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, but it was in my late forties, almost just before I turned 50. And, um, and I really crystallized what I felt like putting a label on my purpose. Now, I, I, I could tell you, I felt like I was living it or leading it and loving it in my life every day, but I never was able to articulate it clearly. Yes, I understand. Um, and my purpose is not the exact same as circle leadership's purpose, my company's, but my purpose when I sat there and I was looked at it and going, well, what is the, what is the purpose? Why am I here? You know, like the question it was that Mark Twain said, you know, the two most important days in your life is the day you're yeah. born and the day you find out why. Well, yeah. it took me 40 odd years to work out why, but when I did, um, all I did is I looked back at all the work that I've been doing through my life and I looked for the common theme in terms of mm-hmm. what I was really passionate about, where, where I got jazzed, where I was really excited or, you know, the things that I kept pushing through on. And I said, like, well, made a list of all that. And then I sort of summarized that. And then I made a list of what were all the, the problems that, that the people that I served, that I helped them with yeah, and where those two things collided. So I worked out where my passion and their problem collided. That's where my purpose lived. And then that's when I realized that for me, my own sense of purpose was to help people become the prophet of their purpose, which is the inspired teacher leader of a cause or a calling. And then the end of that is kind of like a tagline to it goes in and then you will profit from your purpose. Right. Because I really believe that when, you know, uh, people have a greater sense of meaning to the work that they're doing, or even when that leader can reconnect, um, you know, or get in touch with the real reason why they started that business beyond making money. Yeah. Um, that it just it just elevates the whole um, work that they're doing in the world and and I think no, no, no different to a business owner or an entrepreneur or whatever or to a team member that I think we're all searching for some greater sense of meaning in our lives and when you can connect at that level and then you can actually share that with everybody you know that's the power of purpose and people get so engaged by that and people can can't wait to get out of bed in the morning because when we keep up at night we're thinking about our problems but if you wake up with the idea of solving other people's problems, your problems seem to disappear. So the more I was interested in serving other people, I got out of bed and I had less problems at night for my own because I was focused on serving other people. Beautiful. Beautifully said. So the best leaders are purpose-driven? Um, I guess that depends on your definition of leaders, but yeah. from a leadership point of view, um, I would say that if you don't have purpose in it, then you're not going to be getting the level of leadership or be the leader that you're capable of being. Mm-hmm. Um, who, are, who are some of the best leaders? Oh, this is Literally, like their names, like, right? So, and uh, I don't know, look back, you could look back on history or current people, current leaders. I use leaders in quotations, you know, uh, yeah, not everybody who calls themselves a leader is. Yeah. Uh, some, of them, some of them are elected officials who decided they're leaders <laughs> just because yeah. they were elected. You know, they're, I say they're representatives, not necessarily they're leaders, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I only hesitate with this because leaders by title or position yeah. does not mean that you demonstrate leadership. Exactly true. Okay? Um, and so people who I think are leaders in this world would probably be a whole bunch of people that not many people would know. Okay. Um, although, like, if you want some popular names. Or some names that, like, as far as political, like uh, in the political world, there's many people who are leaders of their party, but there's not many that demonstrate leadership. Now, yeah. one that could be controversial to an extent, but the lady Jacinta Ardham, who's running New Zealand, mm-hmm. I think she's demonstrated tremendous leadership. Um, what? Uh, what? Give me a couple examples of some things that that she's done. Uh, that we well, she actually cares about human beings. Um, she's never worried about. Uh, popular opinion or, you know, or what party opinion is. Mm -hmm. She's just done what she felt was right. She, like, she's inspired a whole bunch of New Zealanders to, uh, you know, a brighter future. She's, 
you know, when you when I think of the ingredients of a great leadership, she's, you know, is about helping other people be their best to do their best while in your care and beyond. Mm -hmm. And she's, if anyone's demonstrated a high level of care for others rather than for her own political career, you know, um, yes. and she's rallied a, a, a country, um, you know, she obviously, there's a bunch of people there who may not like her all as well, but well, they say that uh, the way she's handled herself, the way she handled the, a lot of crisis in her country. Yeah, there was a, a there was a massive uh, bombing that happened, uh, like a racist sort of a, uh, a thing that happened there. And she said, we will not speak of the person's name. We will not give them press that they want. Yeah. And, and so she thought of the, the people who were suffering, not the people who caused this and, and refused to allow the country to even promote and, you know, the person who did the, all the, the uh, you know, the horrible things in their country. Yeah. You know, like, and whereas many leaders would, they would have allowed that to popularize that person. Negatively popularized, but still popularized. And that's why these people do these things, to get their name, right? Right, exactly. And she, and she refused to allow that to happen. And, you know, right now with the crap that's going on in the world, if, once again, like, Russ, the challenge of answering this question is we only know what we know or what we're allowed to know or what we're allowed to see. Yeah. But if you look at the, the, the president of Ukraine right now, who is a former comedian who's there's pictures of him in military garb he's at the front line he's told the u.s we don't need a lift they offered to give him a lift out of there and they said we'll get you out of here and he said i don't need a lift i need ammunition yeah like he's standing at the front with his troops That's he's certainly demonstrating leadership yes he's certainly now, exhibiting leadership you know i don't know yeah. i don't know his past or his history i've read some things that were not all that encouraging i don't know if it was if yeah, it's well, disinformation like, or not but what's he doing now moving forward in this crisis right yeah yeah. And like, you know, crisis is when like, it's easy to be a really good leader when everything's going great, but show me what you're like when crap hits the fan. Um, you know, like, and, and that's why I said, it's very hard to answer that question Sure, because there's moments sure. where people have demonstrated amazing leadership, but I could not say, Hey, they're a great leader, like across the board. Yeah. Cause I don't know enough yeah. information to make an honest assessment on that, but I can say, here's some great examples of leadership in the moment. You know, there's some amazing organizations here in Australia. There's a, like a lot of the clients that I deal with there, like uh, my buddy, uh, Dr. Steve Rallis up in Canada, he, he's demonstrating tremendous leadership in his field and um, in the work that he's doing. Um, you know, like there's amazing people doing amazing work in the world. And most of the great leaders, one of the best leaders, actually, here you go. I've had the privilege to spend time with and talk to and um, is Gary Ridge from WD-40. What, uh, uh, I've had him on my podcast. Um, he's actually helping me with my new book. Uh, but I, he, he's allowed me, you know, behind the curtain of WD-40, you know, blue, little blue and yellow can with a red lid on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, what he's done and how he leads the people there, how he handles and things, um, how he's handled this crisis, the pandemic, how he took care of people. He'd be one of the, the if you want a role model of someone who's demonstrated leadership for an extended period of time through good times and bad times, through the global financial crisis, through the pandemic, everything like that. Can you, keep, um, can still, you think of a those, couple specifics, Dave? People don't make mistakes there. They have learning moments. Yeah. Everyone is free to do something as long as they learn from it. Like he encourages a, a culture, a safe place where, um, you know, for people to be innovative and, and try things and test things out. And have a go, um, but they have to report their learning moments. Hmm. They care about their people as human beings first, employees second. They do so much amazing stuff for the people that work there. Um, they don't have managers or leaders there. They have coaches. They have tribes. They all work as a as a community. They, uh, you know, their cultural rating that they have is like ninety eight, ninety nine point something rather percent consecutively now it's got one of the longest standing highest cultural ratings of any company because um, people just love working there. And how does people all this result? Like what's the result of all of that? Is that true? Um, Is that truly, uh, you know, you know, the company, you know, the, you know, the guy, so yeah. you could speak to that to some degree, yeah. I imagine. So, because, yeah. because popular culture is always filled with, you know, interesting concepts and things yeah. that uh, we think work. And uh, I really, yeah. I really like, I really like my podcast to be filled with as much practical, like realistic information yeah, as sure. possible, you know? So yeah. what, what has all that resulted in at, uh, at that company? 
And is it WD forty uh, or is is there an umbrella company to that or is that no, no, WD forty is the uh, is the company and he's been okay. the CEO right now I think for almost twenty years. Yeah. And the exciting part he's actually an Australian guy from Sydney who went through the Sydney WD forty and then he's become the CEO for the last I think almost twenty years now he's been the CEO of WD forty. Um, and if you go to their site he's got a whole great stuff. He actually now teaches at um, one of the universities I think in San Diego. Um, does a lot of work with Ken Blanchard and a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. But the, like the result of this, this is not just beanbags and foosball tables, right? Yeah, this is it. not yeah. that kind of culture. Um, what it is, it's about actually helping people become the best version of themselves and do their life's best work while in each other's care and beyond. And what the, the, the result of that is they, their market cap is, I want to, it's over $3 billion. I can't tell you, I, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's over about $3 billion. I know that they're looking at an average revenue per employee now about $900,000. Mm. You know, like, like the, the, just the, the business results because people love where they work. They have a sense of meaning to the work they're doing. They're cared about as human beings. They're um, in a culture where they can actually have learning moments. They can push the envelope, test things, trial things out. Um, they work together. They have coaches, not managers or leaders running the show. They work in tribes um, and everyone supports each other. Uh, and it's resulted in that organization being one of the most successful companies in the world today. What would you say to people who maybe are in an organization, they might work for someone else, uh, or maybe uh, maybe it's a volunteer organization and they're part of it, but leadership is lacking. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a dysfunctional group. Maybe there are some obvious areas that need some attention. What, what would you suggest to somebody who finds themselves in that uh, environment? Well, firstly, to the point that, that leadership doesn't require you to have a position or a title to demonstrate it. So if you see leadership lacking in your organization from the appointed leaders or managers does not mean you cannot demonstrate leadership. Ultimately, if you do your best to help all the people around you become their best to do their life's best work while in your care and beyond, that is leadership. You're demonstrating that in your organization. And sometimes you might need to do that for the people who are in the positions of um, leader or manager in your organization. And in the end, you can only do what you can do and you can create and do the best work you can to help others around you to do that and demonstrate that sense of leadership in the business. But if it's not working out and it's not where you want to be or it's not uh, appreciated or accepted in that business, then you have to make a choice whether you want to stay with that organization. That's right. I mean, yeah. that's the harsh realities of business, right? Like it's, hey, I'm all for, you know, you don't have to wait for your leader, your manager, your boss or whatever to rest to be the leader you need them to be. You might need to help them become the leader you need them to be. And then if they are open to that, then that's awesome. And if they're not, they're going to block anyway. And it's kind of like the this glass ceiling or false ceiling in the business and people hit it and then they have nowhere else to do but then go. If that person doesn't uh, evolve and create space and capacity for the rest of the team to evolve, then you're going to, it's just going to be the ceiling that people are going to hit and they're all, the good people are going to go. Yeah. Well, you know, and in, in a world today, especially where there's the war for talent on, yeah. the, the war for talent should start inside your business, not outside your business. That's what I believe. And I've had this yeah. conversation with other people that you don't have to have a, doesn't have to say on your, on your business card leader, right? You don't have to even be in the pay range for leader. But uh, hmm. I think that we can all do the most we can do to improve ourselves, to learn, to grow, and share that with other people, support other people. And they, it might be our boss. It might be uh, someone else that, you know, lateral that we work with or, or someone that we're responsible for. It doesn't matter. And, and we, can, we can help and we can, and we can do what we can do, right? You know, you know, like John Maxwell, he talks about leadership's all about influence, right? Yeah. So what does influence mean? Russ, how do you how do you, how do you define influence? Well, I think uh, influence is being able to impact the way another person thinks or behaves. I mean, that's off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. So, to me, when I look at influence, I love words, right? I always look at the root, the etymology of the words um, okay. and stuff like that. And if you look at the word influence, in is a prefix for into, right? Or in. yeah, yeah. Um, and then influence is the Latin derivative of fluid or flow. So influence is about helping people get into flow. Perfect. And when are we at our best, Russ? When we're in flow, right? So when you're in flow state, yes. that's when you're at your best. Flow so state, leadership about influence is about helping people get into flow. So if you can help that leader or manager get into flow, then that will create rhythm and cadence for the rest of you to all get into flow state. It seems much more complicated that way. <laughs> that uh, it flow, does, flow state, flow it, state is, uh, yeah, um, well, I don't know. Maybe we could. Maybe we, we can. Maybe we can dissect this a little bit. Flow. Yeah. If 
as you're saying this, I'm thinking, you know, flow. It's not that easy to get into flow state. I mean, that. Well, when are you in flow state? I'm in flow state when I'm in touch with, uh, when I'm in touch with my why, with my passion, and I'm I'm actively involved in enacting it or pursuing it or um, creating it or. So how can we help our leader or our manager or our boss or whatever we want to call them to get reconnected to why we're doing what we're doing and bring out that creativity, curiosity, imagination, intuition, whatever it is that is required for our team to find cool and innovative ways to do stuff, to make life fun and exciting and work really meaningful again. Well, I think step one would be be to model the behavior. Yeah, which is why you need to demonstrate leadership first. Exactly. Which is helping yourself be the best you can be to do your best work while in your own care. And then how do you help other people do the same? Um, And once again, if you do all that and it still doesn't have an impact, then you know very clearly, I've set everyone up for success and they're choosing to fail. Yeah, toxic environment or whatever. Time to move on. Yeah, yeah. And if, if I'm sending people to fail and they're failing, well, then it's on me. But if I've done everything in my heart of hearts and my head of heads that I can do to help that person succeed and they're choosing not to, then I have a choice. Yeah, certainly. This is uh, one of the reasons why I try to encourage uh, people to improve themselves, to learn, to understand who they are and what they're about and why they're here and offer some wisdom. I mean, I've been around for a long time and I've lived, I've lived the life of uh, ignorance in the past when I was younger. I mean, I had no clue about any of these things we're talking about, to be honest. And I blamed, (laughs) I blamed everybody else for every failure, every job I ever got fired from. And, uh, you know, it wasn't always my fault, but, uh, you know what, most of the time it was, it was just, yeah. you know, I just was not, um, as healthy and as complete of a human as, as I needed to be, to be able to make a positive impact and, and, and help other people make the world a better place. All those things that we all, that like you and I want to do, right. And a lot of our yeah. listeners want to do as well. So yeah, yeah. it's a fascinating thing, Russ, that when you move from, when you finally can realize that you can move from victim mode to victor mode. Yeah. Um, that life changes rapidly for you. Doesn't it though? Yeah. It's when all this stuff is happening to you or is it happening for you? Yeah. That's one of Ed Milet's famous favorite sayings. Yeah. <laughs> it's every other podcast yeah. he's talking about. It. And it's so true, right? It's so true. It's yeah. a, it's a mindset yeah. and it's, uh, yeah. And, um, and, and not only is it uh, perception, but it's reality as well because, because of the way that one interacts with the world when you've got your head in the right place. Right, and you understand what you're doing, why you're here, and what kind of an impact you're supposed to be making. Uh, it has a direct impact on everything around you, and uh, I mean, you could get into the metaphysical or the whatever, but I mean, it's real. It's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. When when I look back at my career and my life, I am the leader today that I am, and demonstrate the leadership that I do. Yeah. Not only because of the great leaders that mentored me, but also because the crappy leaders that I learned so much from. Yeah. Learn what not to do. Yeah. Like, and so when they're thinking, well, why am I, why am I having to put up all this crap from this leader who doesn't care about me? Is then you go, Oh, it's so actually this is happening for me. So I can learn what it would, what it would be like for other people. And to realize that this is not the way I want to lead. This is not who I want to be. Um, And so I can make sure then I've experienced that. So I know what it feels like. And I don't want anyone else to feel like that ever. And so I will not become that kind of leader. Yes. Yes, definitely. So what's happening for me. And then I chose to leave that organization and go somewhere where I would find. And actually it was quite funny when I was still in career mode in terms of not running my own businesses. Um, one of the first things I started looking for rather than the paycheck was the leadership in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And that was more important to me than the paycheck. <laughs> I once, I once did the complete opposite, Dave. I had, I had a job and it was, there's a long story to why this even was a, was a thing, but I won't go into it now, but that's a whole nother episode. But I had a job <laughs> interview. I had an interview with the owner. The owner sat there and he told me he was an asshole. He literally <laughs> told me in the job interview that he was an asshole. He said the words <laughs> and I was like, I guess I kind of figured he was joking. Like it was his sense of humor, but yeah. I found out later that it was true. And yeah. he was, he was literally just, I guess that was his excuse to be one. I was forewarned, but yeah. Like, like I did tell you this, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm an honest asshole. At least, you know, like, I'm not. It was unbelievable. Uh, anyways, yeah. um, one of the things that you'd mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago was yeah. the fact that, 
the labor pool now is so much different than it was pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and and it was already different than it was uh, let's say yeah. a decade ago and more when i was yeah. when i was younger which was more than a decade ago the basic rule was you did what the boss told you and they told yeah. you it was because they told you that's why he had to do it and if you didn't like it there was a line of people waiting for your job yeah. So now it's in a way it's almost the opposite. People have really become more empowered, especially post COVID, as mm. to the kind of job they want, the type of environment they want, uh, even if they're going to work at all. And uh, even before COVID, that was definitely prevalent. And also the idea that people could take their skills or their passions and make a business out of it also was competing with the labor force. Things are different and it's not what it used to be. And that kind of brings me to the next thing, which is the next normal. We yeah. can't, right. We can't keep doing what we've done in the past if we want yeah. things to change. So talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is awesome because uh, a lot of the work I've been doing today is about um, with businesses is about having them to reimagine their own strategy in the next normal, not a new normal. Yeah. Um, you know, so firstly, anyone listening to this, please, if you're waiting things to go back to normal, that ain't happening. Like, I'm just going to tell you point blank, it's not going back to normal. It's already changed. That's not happening. It's not yeah. going to go back to the way it was. Is there a difference um, between the, uh, is there a difference that you're, you're saying between a new normal and the next normal? Yeah. Yeah. Just, a, it's a subtle mindset shift. So I'll, I'll explain it. So yeah. firstly, let's just eliminate things aren't going to go back to normal. We know that. So people say, well, this, this is just a new normal. Right. Well, yeah, it kind of is like, I get it. It's not the, but if you think that this is, it's going to be like this now forever, that's a mistake as well. Mm-hmm. Because what will happen is probably in the next year or two or three, there'll be something else will come along and totally disrupt everything and stuff everything up. And then we were going, oh, can't wait for things to get back to normal. And it won't be. And then we just uh, another new normal. So yeah. it's just going to be a next normal, another disruption, another next normal, and then another disruption. So if you're planning for your business, and you know, and, and this is why it's important from a new normal to a next normal thought process. If I'm just planning for a new normal, then I'm just going to go and build a strategy for the way it is today, rather than a strategy that will allow me to continue to adapt and evolve in a world that's ever you know, it's going to be ever-changing. Ever-changing, faster and faster. Yeah, well, yeah, right. And they're, they're predicting, and like once again, it depends what you want to believe, but whether the science is exactly right, but at least the, the, the concept is solid, that the changes we're going to see in the next 10 years amount to the number of changes we saw in the last 100. So if you want to understand the rate of change that's coming towards us, if you're not keeping up with the rate of change today in your business already, you're in trouble. And then if it's not going to slow down, it's only going to pick up rust. So if they're saying in, in the next 10 years, we're going to get the same amount of changes we had in the last 100, it's like 10 times as fast. I think that that's probably easiest to understand if you just look at what's changed in the past, say 10 to 15 years. Well, let's go well, like, what about Facebook? Facebook. So it's well, uh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook was uh, a yeah. Facebook's only just turning uh, sixteen. Yeah. Was two thousand four. Yeah, maybe so, eighteen. Yeah, you might be allowed to drive a car now or go to the bar. I'm not sure. Facebook. <laughs> well, that's been in the news now. That's what I was thinking of that. So everybody's yeah. kind of familiar with that. So if you yeah. if you look at the development of that over the past roughly fifteen years, sixteen years, yeah. uh, and now compare that to you know, um, I don't know what's something that you could think of. Well, whoever's listening, just think of back when you were a kid, like how much things have changed. We don't even have to go back a hundred years. Like however old you are, if you're 20, if you, well, 20, maybe might make a difference, but if you're 30 or 50, um, or older, I mean, just think, right. Or if you, or if you can think of like the invention of something, like when something was invented, like what was life like then? How much did things cost? You know, like 10 cents for a loaf of bread or whatever. Even even yeah. even with inflation, it's still a lot cheaper. Uh, you know, just I mean, anything really. Um, uh, tools, equipment, appliances. Uh, there were no computers at not that long ago. Like for any of us that are fifty, right or over. Yeah. Um, you know, you you weren't born with a computer in your pocket. So, no, uh, but but the, the the challenges with these generations now, like you can. We talk, you and I can talk about things being offline and online, yeah. whereas today's generation don't understand what do you mean offline? Yeah. Like everything's online. Like there's no, yeah. there is no offline. Like what is that? Yeah. Um, you know, and so. What's a way for someone to have a perspective on it? Like that they can um, 
that they can sink their teeth into because, you know, speaking abstractly, like it's a little harder for some people. It's like a hundred years ago. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know, now I got to stop and think, well, what was a hundred years ago? What was the date? You know, what was whatever. But if you look, you know, I was trying to make it a little bit um, easier, yeah. I guess, more for someone to understand, like there's huge, you know, the huge development in the past past uh, 15 years, past 20 years. So it's incredible oh, compared to your like, lifetime, you, let's say. You want to age yourself. I think the iPod is now 19 years old. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, and like, how, here's the fascinating thing. So the iPod, or like when it first came out, but MP3 players were kind of around at the same time, but iPod, the most yeah. popular music device. How many people today listen to music on a singular music only playing device? Yeah, not many. Not many. Everyone has their app, their Spotify app on their phones or whatever they're listening to it, whatever. Um, but it was only 19 years ago that the yeah. iPod was created. Like well, it was only 10 years ago, the very first international, not even 10 years, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, the first international Uber driver existed. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, and in another eight or nine years, the first one will start disappearing because autonomous vehicles will be, yeah. we won't need Uber drivers, you know, and, and that's, drone pilot, yeah, uh, and that's stuff that's just happening yeah. now. That's like, you know, it's hitting that's the right. market like, now. And so I, to your point, it's yes, things are changing incredibly fast now and, and they're only yeah. going to increase in speed. We've got to be lifelong learners. We have to be open to yeah. and that's with the, with the improv that I teach. It's helping mm-hmm. people understand um, the benefit of, having an open mind, accepting, you know, suggestions, suggesting, uh, and, and, and honoring other things that are coming in rather than, rather than blocking them off and being a slave or a captive to like previous, um, uh, you know, previous understanding of things or preconceived ideas, you know? Yeah. And this is why the work that we do in the world is all around evolution, not growth. There's this, you know, when you have a growth mindset, it's about, how can I be more for more people? Like, you know, in our business, we need to grow our business. Well, that's doubling down on all our existing revenue drivers and going, hey, how can I, you know, come up with new cool ways to do what we're already doing for more people? Yeah. Okay. Right. But whereas evolution is about how do we become more? How do we, what is our steady progressive increasing of our capabilities and capacity for greatness? Okay. Which you can have growth spurts in. Okay. And this is why so many people, you know, growth for business is okay. But if it's not on the backbone of uh, evolution, evolution should become the natural state of your business that you can have growth spurts in rather than actually just have a growth strategy for your business. I'm not sure I because heard it described that way evolving, before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're not constantly evolving, you're going to grow out of business. And we've had so many popular, large, I mean, look at a great Canadian company, BlackBerry, it just grew out of business. It became irrelevant. It grew into obscurity and irrelevance. Oh my God. They it's had, what I they call had, either uh, getting yeah, they had the marketplace or blackbustered, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, Blackberry literally had the marketplace in their hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's my point being restaurant. This, even if you look at the uh, things that if we, all this, we talk about the next normal, like the new normal was like, all oh, this new technology, but that only has a life shelf, uh, sorry, a shelf life for a period of time too. Yeah. Right. And so if your strategy is, is like in this new normal, it's only got a shelf life. And the problem is most people's business model has expired and they just don't realize it yet. Wow. But if you're, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not in a constant state of evolution of your business, what's the next evolution of your business? And you're not constantly reimagining your strategy, you know, every 90 days in terms of how to become that organization that you need to become to stay relevant. Well, guess what? You're going to get to stage where you can go with the rate of change happening, um, could grow out of business or grow into obscurity very quickly. Right. And so this is, um, this is why I want the, this whole next normal. If you know, hey, this is just going to be the normal for now, but what's going to be the next normal? What's going to be the next normal? And how do we build a strategy for our business so that we can uh, adapt to our ever-changing environment? Uh, again, I, I'm looking for, I look for tangible things, right, for myself, yeah. because because I'm not that smart, you know, and um, <laughs> I, don't re- I don't remember <laughs> things that well, and I'm getting older, and, you know, and I don't have the energy I had when I was 20. Let's yeah. be honest. I don't. I mean, I'm in great shape for 62 going on 63. Uh, most people wouldn't realize. Yeah, right. Most people wouldn't yeah. know I'm quite that old. But I feel like I'm in my, yeah, I don't know, maybe my late 30s. <laughs> I've been going to the gym. Oh. I'm hoping things are going to improve, working on my nutrition, all that stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, so I like to I like to like keep things as simple as possible yeah. whenever possible. So yeah. I've got a company. 
right? It's it's uh, uh I don't know. We're doing we're doing well, right? Uh, but we see there's competition in the marketplace. But you know, we're we're growing. We're adding people, right? We're adding uh we're adding staff. We're adding salespeople. Our our our, awesome. our uh, sales are growing. I'm I'm speaking hypothetically now. Um, no, no, no. So uh, um, so what do we do, Dave? Like, what are some things that we specifically need to be doing? to be reimagining constantly give this business owner a couple like it and just it could be one or two but just something they can sink their teeth in so tomorrow 100%. tomorrow morning um they're going in their business meeting they're saying folks we got to reimagine ourselves this is what we're doing for now on sure here's two simple strategies every business owner should be embracing right now to uh, make sure that they evolve and stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people that they choose to serve all right number one um, do you know who your customers' customers are? And you need to understand who your customers' customers are, because if you understand what's happening to your customers' customers, you'll understand the ripple effect, what that means to your customers, and then you know how to better serve your customers. Because if you don't start anticipating the future needs of your customers, one thing you can anticipate is not having future customers. Okay? Yeah. So then the second thing that you can do, and this is the most coolest exercise you can do, and it's the most confronting, but it's really powerful. So just work with me on the hypothetical. So hypothetically, where's your business located, Russ? Oh, my business is located, um, well, I am specifically in the southern tier of New York State. And depending on, depending on what I offer, um, you know, my customers are global. Okay, cool. So uh, imagine whatever street that you're on, uh, your business is headquartered on or where your office is. Yeah. You and I. We're going to go and we're going to go across the road to the other side and there's an empty shop over there. We're going to go set up our, our business over there in the same field, in the same industry. And we're going to go and we're going to put you out of business or take significant market share away from you. Yeah. What would we, if we went across the street with a whiteboard and looked back at your existing business and said, what would we need to do? Not how would you need to screw it up? Yeah. What would we need to do to put you out of business? And what ideas would we have to come up with? What would we have to do? What we'd have to offer? How we'd offer it? You know, everything like that, that we would need to do to either take significant market share away from you or put you out of business. Yeah. And brainstorm what that would be. That's because that's exercise. the business you need to build. And here's the kicker to it, okay? Because when you're trying to put yourself out of business, you're only putting your old way of doing business out of business. But when someone else is trying to put you out of business, you're out of business. And so when people talk about working on their business or in the business, yeah. I challenge you to work out of your business first. Work out of your Forget business. Get being on or in your business. You need to get out of your business and go reimagine what that business would look like. What type of clients would you go after? How would you serve those clients? What would you do? And then go, well, that's the business we need to build. So I know the business I have today. Now in the next three years, I know what I must build. So what must be accomplished becomes mandatory. When we get there is arbitrary. But now I've really got a good idea of the business I would need to build. And then how do I transform from the business I have into that one? And then I need to build my strategy that takes, so I reverse engineer my strategy from that new business to the old one and go, okay, then I just need to march forward step-by-step step to accomplish the things I need to do to start evolving into the business I need to become to stay relevant yeah. so that somebody else doesn't come along and put me out of business. Because I guarantee you that there's somebody else thinking about how to put you out of business. That's nice, Dave. I like how you describe it. So tell me when you're working with some young business owners, um, not young yeah. business owners, some new business owners, right? They're they're working with you. They want to, they're trying to learn some of this stuff. When you tell them that, when you give them that tool, what, uh, what is the look on their faces? What do you, what do you see? <laughs> it's a, it's kind of like uh, one of those, what I call WTF looks on their faces. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, I bet they, and what I does bet WTF stand for? Yeah. What the freak? No, where's the funding? Where's the finance? Oh, <laughs> Where's the right? finance? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, uh, how are we going to pay for that? Yeah. Well, you better figure and it I'm out, like, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Or like, but and I said, well, hang on. No, 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 no. The whole point of this, you need to go, go within because mm. like the greatest innovation, innovation, once again, innovation in prefix for within, novate is like a novate at least to change or do something different. Yeah. So it's a change to do something different from within first. So you need to look inwardly and go, hang on, what would we need to do? How can we improve that? What could we tweak? What could we adjust? Go talk to your clients, whatever mm -hmm. you need to do to do that. But I, the look I get is like, because they just, firstly, like they've never thought about getting out of their business. Mm -hmm. We're always told to work on or in our business. And I say, get out of your business first and foremost. It's the best place you can be. Um, 
and then go imagine what that business was because the people who are thinking about putting you out of business, Russ, are out of your business. Yeah, they're and they're and they're watching. They're out there. <laughs> yeah, and it's not the people you think it is. You know, like was Uber started by somebody in the taxi industry? No. Was Airbnb started by somebody in the accommodation industry? No. Was Netflix started by people in the entertainment industry? No. They were started by pissed off consumers who were unhappy with the, the uh, solutions that were being offered to them and find a different way. And it totally disrupted all those industries. Yeah. So you can either choose to be the disruptor by disrupting your own business first and then disrupt your industry by disrupting your own business to start with. Or you can, and that's why I say you can affect change or be affected by change. So you can either lead the change or have someone else do it and then have to be affected by whatever they're doing. So that's why when I talk about like, you know, here's your choices, plain and simple. No one said this would be easy, but if you don't start thinking about it, somebody else is. So you just choose who you want to control your future destiny. Somebody else, or do you want to control it? Well, I think we know the answer to that. If it's someone yeah, who's well, running their so own business, look. right? <laughs> not, uh, no uh, no entrepreneur is going to say, you know, I want someone else to control my destiny, right? Right. Yeah. But then how many, how many entrepreneurs do you know or have met Russ that go, you know, like when the market's really good, their business is really good. And when the market's bad, their business is really bad. Yeah. Well, admittedly, that was, uh, that was me. Um, I had a hard time managing through uh, a lot of ups and downs and seasonal yeah. changes and things with uh, some of yeah. my businesses in the past, you know, that yeah. was definitely so, so when an area where I needed when your to improve business, that. When your business lives and dies on the market. Yeah. Russ, what are you? Well, you're, 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 you're not in a good position, right? And you're certainly not, you're, a, a you're not in control. Huh? You're, you're a commodity. Ah, uh, thank you. Yes. Because the, the market dictates the price of a commodity. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, and this is what I'm saying. Like, if you want to hand over control to the market and say the market will dictate whether we succeed or fail, well, then you're just commoditized your business. Yeah. And then you'll always be in a price war. You'll have no control over that. The, the consumer will dictate how much they want to pay for your service. And if you don't pay, if you don't give it to them at that price, they'll go find somebody else who's commoditized their business and yeah. get it from there. You know or what? you can find a way to create guided transformation for your business and charge a premium for what you do by being totally relevant to the needs of your clients and be differentiated in your marketplace. There's your choices. Which would you like? I like how you say things, Dave. Um, I've been enjoying <laughs> I've been enjoying your content for <laughs> probably a couple of years now, and uh, and this is this is very enjoyable for me. I I love the way you think. I love the way you present things. Um, yeah, it's very easy to understand. Yet you can tell there's a sophistication there and a, an understanding for pe you know that people are going to pay attention to what you're saying, and. And so how can people get in touch with you? And I know you said you have a new book out too, right? So how can they get more yeah. of your brain? How can, how can they, uh, how can they feast on you? How can they feast on your, uh, on your, on your uh, amazing, um, uh, what are we going to say? Amazing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this out. The simplicity of my, uh, I, I talked myself into a corner is what I did, but. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of the work that I do, my first book was called Simplified, right? Which is leadership is simple, you lead people. And that was really built on the premise that Einstein said that, um, you know, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Yeah. Right. And, and I like this much like you, I like to simplify things. So hopefully the way I've just articulated a lot of that stuff is to simplify some things for people, like which is freedom from complexity, is to take all the gunk. And um, my buddy, Aiden Parker, he, he's his quote, which I wish was mine, but it's not. He says, we add value by removing things that don't. And Dave, the work that you do, why I love it so much is because you add value, so much value by removing the stuff that doesn't add value. All right. Um, and that's the process of simplification. So to your point, and that's why I love what you do as well, because you do keep it simple for people, which is what, like, that's what we need right now. And yeah. simple is a new sophistication or something like that. Sure. And sure. the other the other quote in that space that Einstein said that uh, any, any fool can make things complicated, but it takes a genius to make things simple. So I'd like to congratulate <laughs> yes, you, Russell. True. You're a sophisticated genius, mate. Well done. Well, you're, the uh, first, you're the first one to call me that ever, Dave. So. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, blowing with much love and sincerity that you are a sophisticated <laughs> genius, mate. So well done. Well, um, it's, so it's, I, you know, just so to, play, wanna, to, to play off of that, which I've said all the time, I probably on probably the last three podcasts, it's like, you know, as, as we get older, we get wiser and we learn more, yep. we become more educated, uh, we get more experiences, um, we realize how little we know, right? It's only, only, yeah. the, it's only the ignorant who think they know everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, put yourself at risk of learning something new. Oh gosh! Like if people, that, especially in in our second half, who uh, are what I call on the back nine of life. Yeah. Right. But, uh, as a golfer that I am. Yeah. You know, never ever stop putting yourself at risk of learning something new. Yeah. Right? Don't think the moment you think not? you know everything. Just you know, once you peaked and you think you you're the best you're ever going to be, oh, you're standing on the peak of that mountain. Russ, there's only one direction you can go, no matter which way you look. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I always say to people when they say, "See you at the top of the mountain," I go, "You know what? I don't know what mountain you're climbing, dude, but I'm building mine as I climb it." Yeah. Perfect. Oh, I like but that. I never want to reach the peak. All right, Dave. All right, Dave. Let's, so anyway, let's back get to your questions. Let me ramble. Uh, new, yeah, <laughs> so, no, that's good. Yes. Good stuff, though. I, I but I want to make sure we get this in. So the new book. Yeah, you got a new book coming out. So the new book, first and foremost, was um, actually uh, one of my buddies is a big fan of Jim Collins. And Jim Collins talks about organizations, you know, from good to great, right? Okay. You'd be familiar with good to great. So I, my question to him was, you know, if you want to take your organization from good to great, what inside your organization needs to go from good to great for the business itself to go from good to great? Mm. Okay. And that, of course, is people, right? If we can help our people become the greatest version or the best that they can be, to do life's best work, well, then our business will become the greatest that it can be. And so I I just said in one of my little quirky clearisms uh, that just fell out of my mouth at that time, I said, Rob, here's the thing. You can't boss someone into greatness. That's right. So the title of my book is You Can't Boss Someone Into Greatness, and it's how to become a coach, not a boss. Okay, so it's how do we get rid of bosses in organization, which is why Gary at WD40 is a gracious soul that he is, is sharing a WD40 story with me for the book and everything like that, because it's, you know, uh, they're a shining example of getting rid of all this leader manager mindset and actually coaching their people to be the best version of themselves to do their life's best work well in each other's care and beyond. So that's what the new book's all about. Um, and it's, you know, about the new new way to lead people in, the, in what, it, well, what was the future of work or the future of leadership, which is now the leader of the future of, or now the, the now of work and the now of leadership. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that. The yeah. best way to get hold of me and consume my content. Yeah. Um, easiest way is just to go to daveclair.com, D-A-V-E-C-L-A-R-E.com. Um, and then all the links to all my socials are there. Um, and okay. please, anybody who contacts me through there, I'm the one who answers. I don't have bots or anything like that. Not there's anything against it. But if you want to ask me anything that I've covered in the podcast, I will give you the time and um, uh, information that you request. Um, and it will come from me directly. Well, thanks, Dave. Um, we, we have a lot of sharp, smart people on this podcast, I have to say. And, and then uh, there's me. Well, I was going to, I was going to say, <laughs> yep, and then there's you. And so, um, but, uh, but not what you think, and then there's you. And I would just say, I think people, you know, um, there are particular people on the podcast who you can get a vibe from that you, you know that if you contact them, they're going to help you out. Yeah. Right? And, 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 uh, not that with, I've had anybody on the podcast that wouldn't necessarily, but I think that sometimes you really can get a vibe. Like, like the, here's a guy who's going to, if I got, if I'm going to bind or if I'm really hurting for something, and if I call Dave, he's going to have some help for me. He's going to have some, um, he's going to educate me. He's going to put me in touch with somebody who can help me or some, uh, some, uh, some solutions, right. Or some resources. And so, um, yeah, so uh, that's the exception. I think that you're probably one, you. one that raises yourself beyond. And I say that because, I've seen some, you know, I'm a little more familiar with you maybe than others. So maybe, maybe part of it is that, I guess, you know, it could be, that. Thank so, you. but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying uh, to our listeners, take Dave up on it, right? <laughs> if he's, yeah. Right. Contact him through the website, daveclair.com. Yep. And um, I assume that you heard me on Russ's show and um, whatever your question <laughs> is, you know, I, I, I also, Russ, I keep four 30 minute slots every week open for no obligation, no thing, free zoomy live, whatever. I love it. Yeah. Or free online whiteboard sessions for people. Now they get booked up in advance. So, but yeah. if anybody wants to sit there and just brainstorm or work through something that they got in their business from leadership, culture, strategy, whatever it might be, reimagining their business. Uh, yeah. Um, definitely. I will slot them into one of those times. Well, thanks. Yeah. And thanks for that offer and let, letting everyone know that. Um, hmm. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. All right, listen, uh, anything else you want to add before we move on to the next uh, segment here? Got any, anything uh, on your no, mind I mean, that we didn't cover? Oh, I mean, uh, there's a whole bunch. We could do this. We could go on for hours. Yeah, um, well, we've got, we're, yeah. we're pushing an hour as it is, so go ahead. Okay, oh, geez, already? Okay, yeah. well, no, let's get on the next segment. You want to? Okay. We can do another yeah. one let's another move, time. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to do another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't quite gotten myself to three or four hours yet, but I'm try, <laughs> trying to keep it under an hour. 
Oh, I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom, and Nate. They're three young guys who own ParlorCityFurniture.com. Um, they're just killing it over there, and they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. They are helping me outfit a new video studio, and I have a, a cool standing desk. It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions also. Um, and we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. Uh, they want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at parlorcityfurniture.com. Back to the show. That's a good time. So. Honestly, I mean, uh, we, it, was, we, it was a little more formal with the things that we went through because there were, there were definitely topics that I wanted to cover with you that I knew, yep. I knew that you would want to talk about, and that's it's pretty much what we've done. So um, we didn't go off the rails too much, but, but I do enjoy going off the rails. And um, you know what? This is our chance to do it right now. Yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah, here we go. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. All right, it is time for the questions, Dave Claire. Uh, this is your. This is a chance for our listeners to get to know the you. You. Um, okay. Who do people tell you that you look like? Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Have you ever? <laughs> you didn't even have to stop and think about it. Nope. <laughs> I get it all the time. Really? Go, do kids ever? Like do kids ever <laughs> say it to you? I tell you, I was at a shopping center here. Uh, it was probably a couple of years ago before the pandemic, but it was you know, 2019. And I had my suit on and everything like that. And I'm standing in the line to buy something. And wait, 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 wait. Hold it. All right. Stop right there. Yeah. You had your Iron Man suit on? No, no, no. Just my business suit. Oh, right? your so business like suit. Oh, okay. All like right. Stark, right? And, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and this kid turns around and looked at me like with big eyes. And he turns to his dad and tugs on his dad's arm and looks at him, points at him, and he goes, is that Tony Stark? <laughs> and the dad just looks back at me and I just smile and I look down at the kid and just put my finger in my was like, shh. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. I always yeah. ask people if they signed autographs as that person, but your shh basically yeah. was, basically was it. Yeah. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh. Yes. All right. So, um, so you're, you're a transplant to kind of sort of to Australia. We, yes. we we discussed off we discussed previously um, your travels back and forth and all over the place, um, but I want to I want to ask you some Australia questions and okay you know almost just be, you know for my own edification and education <laughs> as much as anything all right um, uh, what's the one big misconception about Australia uh, that everyone's tanned down here <laughs> well you have a tan I noticed uh, the camera. I know. My oh. wife and I are Canadians. We're probably the most tanned people in Australia. Oh, All the rest of them are uh, just. We'll call I'm, them suns. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm not condoning, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but the but the, the bronzed Aussie like that image is long gone. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. The, the one about every every animal's out or insect or bugs here trying to kill you. That's true. But the rest are. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't there a big hole in the ozone right over top of Australia? So being a sun worshiper yeah, is probably not yeah. a good thing anymore, right? Or did that fill itself back up? I don't know. I think maybe Elon Musk is going to use that to, yeah. to travel from uh, America to, uh, as he goes out of space and pops through the hole in the ozone layer and drops into Australia. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, or something. All right. What's the best yeah. kept? Se- what's the best kept secret about uh, Australia that uh, that uh, you know because you live there and you interact with Aussies, right? With the Australians, but uh, with the other other Australians, I should say. Uh, but the rest of the world really doesn't know about it. The best kept secret. Wow, that's a great question because there's not too much secret about Australia. Um, that it's actually, well, I'll tell you, it's a lot more like North America than people think it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, um, like the cities and all that. It, the best kept secret is actually, well, here's the best kept secret. It's the exact same size as the continental USA. Yeah. People don't know that because the map, the way the maps are drawn, right? That's right. Yeah. But yeah. it actually, like, and West Australia is one third of the country. So if you imagine if you drew a line down one third of the West coast of the United States, how many yeah. States would be in one third of the continental USA? Yeah. Quite a few. Right. And that's just one state here in Australia, but Australia, because most people think it's an Island. So the best kept secret is that we're actually the same size as the continental USA. I like that. Yeah. That's a good one. I don't, yeah. I don't think most people yeah. do know that. No, right. they don't. Uh, what's, what's the one thing you change about Australia? If you had, if you were all powerful. If I was all powerful, that would change about Australia. Yeah. Um, I would make things a little bit cheaper. Like the cost of living is a little bit higher here. Uh-huh. 
yeah, it's uh, once again, it's economies of scale and everything like that. But yeah, I would certainly, uh, and I would also, if I could do anything, I would bring Tim Hortons down to Australia. <laughs> <As a Canadian. laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right. Well, what's the thing you would want to export globally that maybe isn't right now? What's the big, so imagine uh, everybody in the world uh, should have this um, and it or- oh. originates from Australia. Oh, that originates from Australia? Yeah. Definitely not Vegemite. No, I know all the Australians listening to me are going to hate <laughs> me for that, but that is the most foulest substance on earth. No kidding. Well, that's because you were, oh, yeah, you spent too much time in Toronto. Yeah, no, it, like it's just, I don't know, you, it's, you have to have it as a child to be able to eat it, like. Oh. Well, maybe, anyway, maybe, uh, maybe the opposite, maybe an opposite, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the opposite, maybe, maybe you could import poutine. Was it poutine? Oh, well, yeah. How do I pronounce it correctly? It's very hard to get good poutine down here. Poutine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Explain to people, uh, explain to our listeners what poutine is if they're not from Canada. Uh, Yeah. So it's cheese curds and gravy over top of French fries. (laughs) It's hard to tag in a bowl, right? Yeah, well, there's a, that's the other way to describe it too. But okay. damn it, taste. But yeah, what a way to get it. everybody loves uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would. Um, All right, exporting global. Yeah, exporting global uh, from Australia. Um, that's a great question. Like, I don't know what is here that would be cheese. Um, I would just certainly say, uh, well, if anything, for me is Maybe um, a the lifestyle here. Definitely, okay. I wish everyone. You know, whilst the cost of living is a little bit higher than it needs to be, but the lifestyle here and the, um, you know, it's what a great place to live and raise families. And, you know, it's also right now one of the most, well, especially West Australia, we're the most isolated city in the world, but we're probably one of the safest places to be right now. Okay. That they could have the lifestyle and uh, the sense of comfort and security or safety. Yeah. Wherever they are in the world. I love that. All right. This is a coaching related question. Sometimes I ask people a coaching question, but uh, a little bit different today. I guess the preface to this would be that, um, you know, we talk about a lot of tools and techniques and, um, and skills that people can acquire to make their lives better, to be a better leader, to grow their business and such. And a lot of times um, there are things that get in the way from that that maybe are kind of tough to deal with. I'd like to think about internal obstacles, the stuff that happens between the ears, right? Because yeah. because a lot of people, especially if you're an entrepreneur, um, you're creative, you're, prob- you're a problem solver, you're resourceful. So when there are things that come up, uh, equipment breaks, uh, money issues, labor issues, whatever, everything's fixable, right? Everything's um, figure outable. Something that might cause problems or prevent you or prevent one from dealing with some of those issues, internal obstacles between our ears. So talk about, talk about that. If you want, you could share maybe one, one of your internal obstacles that you deal with and then, and then talk about how you overcome it or, and, and, or um, maybe there's one that you think is common among uh, business owners, among um, professionals, among entrepreneurs. Yeah, sure. Um, like even for me, through my own experience in my life, this I'll talk about um, is what is referred to as the paradox of success. Okay, like that is one of the biggest obstacles to us continually becoming the best that we can be and our helping our business become the best it can be is the paradox of success. And that is whatever got me to where I am today is what will get me to where I want to go tomorrow. That's not true. So bringing it back to from a mindset point of view, it's funny, like, and, and I've had this experience in my own life where my own beliefs, things that I'd believed to be true, yeah, which may have been true at a certain time, um, because they served me at that time. So I believed it to be true because it was serving me then, but I never went back and questioned, is it still serving me today? And will it serve me tomorrow? Can you think of an example, um, you know, uh, uh, in yourself or someone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So simply like one of the, um, and this is a really crappy belief that I had way back when I first started in business for myself was yeah. that I needed to go and make money for me. I had to go make money for my family. I had to go um, do all that. And I wondered why people weren't buying from me. Mm. And I, I did a, a session of a, a video on this many, many years ago uh, is what I called when I went from starving to serving. And my belief was that, you know, I needed to make a commission. I need to do this for me. And it's, and if I don't make a sale, then I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not me, me, me. And what I realized was that um, that belief 
was the one thing that was limiting me from actually succeeding at the level I was capable of because I was trying to put myself ahead of the people I was supposed to be serving, which was the clients or the potential clients, the people that I wanted to be of service to. So when I learned to actually put my own needs on the shelf and focus on the needs of the person I wanted, all of a sudden my needs seemed to disappear. What? How did you? How did you learn it? Or what was the? Was there an aha moment? Um, oh, there was a massive aha moment. I happened? was sitting on the. I can tell you that uh, it was October 1999, 157 Bayfield Street, Barrie, Ontario, in a basement apartment under a tanning salon. It was midnight. I was leaning up against my son, who was three years old, his bed, and looking at my daughter, who was six months old, maybe in her cot across me, in this two-bedroom basement apartment. And I knew I had about a month's worth of rent left in the bank account and maybe enough to cover food for the for the next couple of weeks. And that was it. And I'd been in business for three or four months and I hadn't even closed a single sale. Wow. And yeah, and I sat there and I, and I shared this a couple of times. It took me a while to be willing to share the story with people, but I realized it was important for people to understand um, and once again, to be of service to other people that they need to like, you're not alone when you're in these situations, but I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, I got to quit. I got to stop this. Um, I'm killing my family. What am I doing? Because I was out there trying to make commission on a sale so yeah. that I could feed my family and do all this stuff. And then, you know, you have those aha moments like you talked about and the voice comes in your head and I'm sitting there going, look, I have to quit. That's it. I'm, 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 what have I done to my family? I've spent all our money. We sold our house, took all the equity. I've invested in this and it's not working. I need to get a job. And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there bawling my eyes out. And this voice comes running up the back of my spine and out my, you know, through my brain. And, and it just says, Dave, what are you teaching your kids if you quit? That when things get tough, that you should quit. Because that was the belief that I had. When things got too tough, just get in the job. Go do something else. And, didn't. And, and it was a moment where I realized that all those things that made me successful in my career and my jobs that I had in the past that I held on to, were the things that were actually limiting me from being what I was capable of. And then that, that very next morning, I wrote down what I now call my relaxed selling process, where I wrote, the, uh, you know, I, one of my mentors said, Dave, you just need to relax. You need to relax. All right, hang on a and second. Just all, right, you're, all right, hang on a second. Go, go back, yeah. go back uh, two seconds. Yeah. All right, so you realized that all of the things that made you successful in the past, yeah. is that what you're saying? We're holding yeah. you back? Yeah, I was resting on my laurels. Of, okay. All yeah, right. of all the things that I had and that, that I was just staying the same. I was just, and I was, instead of becoming more, and this is when I started to realize about, you know, evolution versus growth. And yeah. I was just trying to be more of who I was for more people and yeah. wasn't working. Yeah. You know, and I was becoming those people. If I was becoming anything, I was becoming those people. Like we, why do you think real estate people or used car salespeople and all that get a bad rap? They get a bad rap because they're just interested in the commission. Yeah. They look at you as the next meal. And that's why I said, like, you know, when I was looking at my clients as my next meal or my potential clients as my next meal, nobody buys from a hungry salesperson. Right. Um, and I, right. I realized that I was I got to the stage where that's what I believed I had to do. I had to go and get a commission. I had to earn a commission. That's what I but mind you, that was also Dave, you have to go sell boxes. You have this is back in the days in personal development when you know they had the old programs and the boxes with the cassette decks and the oh lord. You know, the, yeah, yeah, no. So tell me about it. <laughs> but uh, I was, I was there and yeah. And I, and that whole thinking was the thing that was holding me back. And so what I decided to do was I, I need to relax. So I created this relaxed selling methodology. So I just, I wrote the word relaxed down and wrote some words beside it to give me a step-by-step -step process to go and discover what other people's needs were, what their wants were and how I could best serve them and help them and stop worrying about serving or helping myself and just started serving and helping others. And which is why perhaps today, Russ, when we talked about earlier, when when I truly say, hey, I'm going to contact, if you reach out to me and say you need help, yeah. I will help you. And that comes from yes. back in that day been, when I realized that we've been that's there. why I'm supposed to be doing, <laughs> yeah. helping others. Yeah. I'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. You know, my my philosophy today, like I've, uh, my, my company actual name is 90 Million Proprietary Limited, right? And that's- Say it again. Say it again. 19 million, 19 million Proprietary Limited. Because I set a goal to- create and inspire 90 million purpose-driven leaders in the world, mm. right? Um, and that's a mathematical equation based on 900 million employees who are actively disengaged in the work around the world based on Gallup and Deloitte, that in a one to 10 ratio, there must be 90 million leaders who aren't very purpose-driven, right? So I called my company 90 million. And here's, here's what I worked out that 
why I don't worry about the money as much, I worry about you and helping you and or people listening, whatever, is because if I made a dollar off of everyone, I'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah, you would. You know, like, so, so I, I, I not saying money's not important, but what I'm saying is I put it into perspective. My job is to help. If I can help create 90 million purpose-driven leaders and I made a dollar off of each of them, I'd do okay. So I just want to go and be of service and help people. Yeah, I feel you. Because I realized that, like, once again, when I get this all ties back to my whole sense of purpose. When you get out of bed in the morning and help other people solve their problems, yours start to disappear. Boy, the reason why your problems are keeping you up at night is because you're not getting out of bed in the morning to go and help other people solve their problems. Yeah. You want to make lots yeah. of money in this world, Russ? Go serve lots of problems for lots of people. You want to make gobloads of money in this world? Go solve lots of big problems for lots of people. And it was that belief that was holding me back that I was worried about what I needed to do or what I needed to accomplish rather than what I could do to help other people. When I realized I was there to serve other people, my problems started to disappear rapidly. Within 12 months, I became the sales leader for Canada. Our clients went on to become Canadian Clients of the Year and World Clients of the Year in the international organization I was a part of. And I never went hungry again. That's beautiful, Dave. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I can identify with a lot of what you said. I won't bore our listeners with... uh... With, with with my story that's somewhat similar to what you said. I want to keep the focus on you, and I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yes, thank you, Dave. Uh, any final words? That, I mean, that was great. That could be the end. Uh, you have any final uh, words let's, before let's, we go? Let's end it on that high note, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was, I felt it, man. Uh, you know, I can't, yeah. I, if, if yeah. anybody's going through that right now, if there's, if yeah. they're in that, if they're in that mindset right now or in that position and, uh, and they're feeling overwhelmed, I mean, that's, it, it's important to know, you know, and, and like one of the things that you mentioned, which is so important and not something an entrepreneur is necessarily the best at doing, which is reaching out for some help, reach out for some help. And, and listeners, Dave is offering it, right? You know, you can always contact me. Dave's way smarter than I am. He's, (laughs) he's, he's knee deep in this stuff. Right. And so he's a guy who's going to be able to pull something right out of his back pocket, help you out. And he's not even asking up front. He's got time that's free during the week. So, I mean, there it is. There's your solution or there's the pathway to your solution to whatever it is that you're suffering with right now. Just what's the first next step that you can take. All right, Dave, thank you so much. Russ, my absolute pleasure. Uh, and it was a privilege to finally be on your podcast. Um, and I think you're doing great work in the world with the people, the guests you have and yeah, thank the you. value that you're bringing is, uh, is really cool. So I encourage people to listen to a bunch of the other episodes you have too. Yeah. Thank you very much. This has been an incredible learning experience for me. I say this often on the podcast. I had no idea how many great tools that I was going to get to have a better life and how many, how many cool people, like amazing people that I was going to be able to interact with. And uh, it's really been really been something, and I appreciate you very much, Dave. Um, thanks again, uh, listeners. Pleasure. Get in touch with Dave. You know how to do it. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately, or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode, and it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.